0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie F, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, December 4th, 2019. Today we're reading from the big book, chapter six, and we're on page 73, the second paragraph. The inconsistency is made worse. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Gail B., for the 12 traditions, Diane V., and reading the text are Craig Aff, Cynthia C., and Janice B. The reference numbers for Tuesday, December 3rd, 2019 are for the 7 a.m., 13,746, that's 13746, and for the 10 a.m., are 13,748, that's 13748. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Gail B to read
1: the 12 steps. Good morning this is Gail B from Massachusetts. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a re- the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to service.
0: Thank you, Gail. Okay, I will now ask Diane V. to read the 12
2: Traditions. Good morning. I'm Diane V, a compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. The 12 traditions of overeaters anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4. Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7 Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity to do service and I pass.
0: Thank you, Diane Today, we resume our study of the Big Book on page 73, the second paragraph, The Inconsistency Is Made Worse, and I will ask Craig F. to begin reading.
3: Thank you. Uh, Good morning. This is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Inconsistency Is Made Worse by the Things He Does on his sprees. Coming to his senses, he he is revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they will never see the light of day. He is under constant fear and tension, and that makes for more drinking. At, at, at first, um, my rebellious mind might tend to think that this is one of those paragraphs that doesn't translate well to... Uh, uh, compulsive overeaters. You know, we 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 don't um, uh, have drunken sprees where our memories are are uh, uh, vague, of, of, but we know we did a lot of harm. Generally, uh, we're we're um, more awake, uh, you know, than the alcoholic on the drunken spree. But on the other hand, uh, the tra- the paragraph does translate well when I think about the idea. That I spent a lot of energy uh, trying to hold up an illusion you know the illusion that uh, that I don't eat I wasn't eating like I was you know I don't know why I'm not why I'm gaining weight. I don't know why I, I'm so overweight you know I, I eat like a bird, yeah ten times my weight daily but uh, you know we, we did it and we do it in private you know with, uh, and we don't want people to see us, but there's even more than that. You know, there, there were the the other things, the things that I carried uh, guilt about, the things that I uh, that I, I hid. You know, and it and it says here that 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 the constant fear and tension makes for more drinking. Well, the constant fear and tension, the fear that somebody would see me for who I really was, that uh, led to to more eating. You know, I had to I, I had to eat because uh I didn't have any other way to to uh, uh tamp down those emotions the, the sh- especially shame uh you know guilt's feeling bad about what I did shame is feeling bad about who I am or what i am and so uh i I ate to tamp down that to tamp tamp that down and to try to uh, uh continue to function because I had to function in order to be able to get more food um and so uh, that that inconsistency is it, it in life was there you know I, I i wasn't who i thought i appeared to be uh, people may have seen through me i don't know but i wasn't who i thought i appeared to be and 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 that takes a lot of energy it takes it takes a lot of uh of uh thought and planning and my attention constantly towards towards maintaining that illusion that I thought I was maintaining. Um, And so, uh, you know, in this fifth step uh, that we're in, and that's where we're at in the book is the instructions for the fifth step, it's telling us that, uh, you know, it's time to come clean. It's time for me to become honest about who I am, to become transparent about who I am. And, and the odd thing is, it was—it's only by becoming transparent and honest about who I am that change becomes possible. You know that—that I—I can get to the place where I—I I don't have to live like that anymore. Um, you know, Time, please. And, and oh, thank you. So I have to swallow my pride and go about this this task, and uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Okay, thank you, Craig. So we're on page 73 in the chapter into action, chapter six, the second paragraph, the inconsistency is made worse. And if you have not shared in the last few days, please give me your first name and the first initial of your last name. Julie Janice R. E. from Boston. Reba P. Janet E. Janet Janice. Janice E.
4: Correct,
5: Janet E. Julie R.
6: Julie R. Cynthia C. Cynthia C. Okay, this is who I have. Katie G., Reba P., Janet E., Julie R., and Cynthia C. Is there anyone else? Okay, go ahead, please.
0: Katie G., followed by Reba P. Everyone else, please press
6: start.
7: Sorry. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, my fellows. This is Katie you recovered in Boston, and Katie, if you'd time me, that would be great. You know, I guess what I really see is, um, you know, coming into the fifth step. I remember saying to someone before I'd done the steps at the big book when I was just abstinent, I remember saying no one could ever love me. Like, no one could ever love me if they knew the people that I'd slept with, the things that I'd stolen, the way i cheated, lied, and manipulated the person that I was. And I was like a hundred different people. And I was a quote unquote people pleaser, which meant that I just thought I could read your mind, manipulate the heck out of you, so you could give me what I want. Who's pleased? Certainly not you, certainly not me. Um, So I guess for me, coming to step five, it wasn't just all the things that I did, when I was eating, how about the memories when I'm stone cold abstinent? How about the, you know, the sponsees that I tried to sponsor according to Katie's program? How about the lies that I told at work in a state of entire abstinence? How about the woman I tried to be, you know, in relationship with men in a a state of entire abstinence? What was so incredible for me You know, everybody, you know, I hear some people talk about being scared about doing step five. Listen, be scared not to do step five because the problem is if I'm trying to be someone for you and other people and to perform, guess what? My ego is is running the show and guess what's going to happen, guys? Eating's going to be a step up, right? And the thing is, there's nothing that you have done that I don't know somebody who's done it or I've probably done it myself. Like, I hate to say this, but you're not that special. And that's what happened in me in step five. Kdg, you're not that special. Yeah, you've lied. You've cheated. You've had affairs. You've stolen. But guess what? You're not that special. Like, a lot of people have done this. And the first Part about moving forward is admitting to God to ourselves and to who? Another human being. Why? Because a solitary self-appraisal is not enough. And that continues. You know, I'm gonna be honest, I woke up the other morning, I had some disgusting thoughts about what God was telling me for my day. They were selfish, they were self-seeking. I was like, What kind of person thinks that? And then it was like, wait a second thank you, God. I can admit that to my sponsor. I can admit that to my fellows. And I can say, oh my gosh, thank you for telling me that. Thank you for sharing disease. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to do the opposite. And within you know, 45 minutes, God was moving and shaking in and through me again to do the right thing, to be the right woman. So thank you, God. And you know, the other thing about step five and sharing it with somebody else is that somebody can give me a reality of like what i really did what the exact nature of my wrongs were like can you speak thank you so much kate without i pass
0: okay thank you katie reva p you're up followed by janet e
8: good morning this is reva p grateful recovered compulsive overeater in toronto So, yeah, I relate to not only was I an actor trying to make myself be a certain way, look a certain way, have a certain image in different situations with different people, but then I'd have these sprees, which um, I guess are unrestrained activities. And, yes, I definitely had unrestrained activities, um, first of all, with the food and this inconsistency like I had to be different people I would try to make myself a certain way in a certain situation and make myself a different way in a different situation and I was so inconsistent in myself like not whole in my own being Um, so the sprees were first with the food and it would it would really freak me out that I could be Um, in a work situation and supposedly level-headed and then this crazy person binging thousands and thousands of calories and that inconsistency terrified me. Um, I thought I was going crazy Um, and it's talked somewhere else in the big book about the Jekyll and Hyde. Like I couldn't understand how I could be one way and then have all this unrestrained eating. Um, and the same thing with abstinence only the crazy sprees of over controlling and over managing um, which again created fear and tension um, and you know in in recovery too, um I have to be really careful that I don't start telling myself this shouldn't be bothering me, I should be able to handle this by now because I've been in program, don't you know? Um, and be um, a bit ashamed to share um, my fears um, because sometimes they're about smaller things. The big ones I can justify, sometimes the little ones I can't. So this program and this step makes me whole. You know, I never forget when I first got uh, recovered, it was such a freedom. I am the same person in a work situation, in a family situation in a meeting. Like, I don't have to compartmentalize myself and make myself anything. This program is about God um, molding my ideals and helping me become the woman He wants me to be. And I'm the same person in all different environments. So I, in myself, am consistent and whole. Um, And then sharing what I've done, where my thoughts go with another person, there is such relief. A, in the fact that that person usually says, hey, been there, done that, you're not so unique, um, and B, just the relief of having all this stuff that I think is so shameful and secretive, um, and I get to share it and realize it's not so bad in the light of day. Um, and this whole thing makes me feel cool. with that I pass.
0: Thank you, Reva. Okay, now we'll have Janet E. followed by Julie R.
5: Thanks very much. I'm Janet E., recovered in Cuenca, Ecuador, and this makes me think right away of just the remorse that I would feel when I would wake up in the morning, and for a minute, everything's kind of okay, and then the fog clears, and I remember the binge from the night before or what I did, and then just the cycle of self-loathing and regret, and just, I just like, how did I do that again? Followed by, for me, um, likely uh, extreme restriction, back into restriction, um, starving myself or going into over-exercise because, you know, there was a punishment that had to to come because I was so horrible. You know, this is what you got to do, Janet. You you chose to eat. Well, now you're going to go and um, we're going to exercise you and get this off your body. Such self-cruelty. And um, gosh, the pain of that. And, you know, I... I I know from writing inventory really within the past months and coming into being recovered. Thank you, God, that there's just nothing new under the sun. There's nothing I can write on a four step or that has ever been written on a four step that is so bad or horrible uh, or particularly unique to the disease that we have this welcome to my disease. This is what it does. This is, this is how I show up in disease and, um, And so, you know, there's such freedom in speaking, speaking these things, these behaviors um, and really understanding myself, because I have to know what it is that I have to understand this disease that I'm recovering from. And I have to know, understand my behavior and my defects, because I'm going to eventually ask God to remove those things. So I need to know what they are clearly. So there's no shame now in saying, hey, wow, yeah, I did these things. And even in in recovery, when I show up in a way or I slip into a little gossip and wow, I've got to catch it right away and go back and make amends for that, you know what? this is recovery. I have awareness now, I get the pause. I can take these things to higher power. I don't have to just wallow in them and dissolve into self-punishment and the cycle of my of my addiction. theres There's just a clear path out of it, and I'm so, so thankful for that. And with that, I'll pass thanks. Thank you,
0: Janet. Okay, now Julie R. followed by Cynthia C.
4: Hi, Katie. This is uh, Julie R., recovered compulsive overeater. You know, the first time that I read this paragraph when I um, was recovered for the first time, and it made me cry because even though I didn't have blackout like I did when I would drink, I definitely went on autopilot and ate like a vengeful, wild animal wrappers everywhere, crumbs everywhere, um consuming, you know, twenty thousand calories at a sitting, uh you know, acting like I would go into the coffee machine, but just to veer off to Norma's desk to eat a hundred cookies in like twelve minutes. Um, you know, I'm five two and I got up to three hundred and two pounds and that's a lot of food. But this you know when I when I did the work and I saw this, it did make me tremble. Because somebody did observe me once and I saw the disgust in their eyes like, how can she do that? And this wasn't when I was, um, I had lost all my weight. This was my relapse I had last year. And somebody saw me eat like that. And uh, thank God I didn't know the person, but it just stopped me in my tracks. Um, You know, so fast forward to where I am today, right? Recovered, abstinent. But what other kind of sprees can I have? Um, Well, I don't have sex sprees anymore. Thank you, God. Um, Shopping. Uh, Can I go into shopping sprees? You know, thank God I don't. But those are things that I can, you know, we can still do in abstinence and not recovered state. You know, we fall, you know, I can slip into these various states of, of life and the difference is today I can say, Oh, wow, I spent a little more than I wanted to. And then that's done. But before I would go on, um, when I was abstinent and not recovered, I would spend tons of money. I would uh, gossip a lot. I would do all of these things. And it's like, you know, thank God today. Thank God today I do my nightly review every night at night. And I get to see if there's any kind of behaviors that I had. And my sponsor will, will uh, talk about it in the morning when I read it to her every morning. So, yeah, you know, it's like this paragraph just, it made me cry because, I did all of those things with food, and it was, um, you know, it was a nightmare. But, you know, today, if I think you, God, clean with the food, 100% black and white, um, normal body weight, um, not having any of the sex sprees, the shopping sprees, the gossip sprees, and it's only because of doing this work. And I do the work every year. Also, I go through the steps in an organized manner just because I need to do that. And anyway, with that, I will pass. Thank you.
6: This is Cynthia C. Did you
9: uh, call my name?
0: Okay. I'm sorry. Yes, I did. Go ahead, Cynthia.
9: Okay. Thank you. This is Cynthia C., recovered, Over overeater, and food addict in Newton, Massachusetts. Um, thank you all for making this meeting happen today. I'm so, so grateful. This paragraph. I feel so triggered by this paragraph. It just brings up this morning. It brought up so many memories for me that I had sort of, you know, forgotten about Um, sprees, both with alcohol and with food, you know, when I was in high school, you know, because food wasn't just always overeating. It was sometimes rarely for me, but sometimes not eating enough. And um, in high school, and it was like a new year's Eve party. I went with a, a good friend of mine to her home state. I went to boarding school we went to this We went to this um very fancy New Year's Eve party in like a museum or something of an historic building and apparently i didn't eat enough and i I drank way too much and apparently, I blacked out and threw up all over the place and i'm mortified thinking about that and i and I think back to you when know, when I was young um I was really into my disease, and I was at a job, and I wasn't doing very well. Because how could I do well in my job when I was so I, I hated myself, and I and I ate and I ate and I ate so much, and I exercised and I exercised and I exercised so much so that I wouldn't be obese. But um, I ate so much, and I remember I had this office mate who I did not get along with because you know I was destroying all of my relationships because I hated myself so much. And I was binging so much. And, and, and she was this tall, willowy thin woman. And, um, you know, and I was just struggling and she saw me at the grocery, some like little market and she saw me buying my binge foods. And, you know, when I bought my binge foods, it wasn't one or two things. I had like, you know, bags full of binge foods and I had a whole routine for going back home and, And binging when I had a bad day. And um, thank God, thank God, thank God, literally thank God, I don't do that today. Oh, thank God. I just, I can feel in my heart just those old sort of almost like PTSD feelings of of that that shame and that self-hate and that misery and being mortified if people saw me, you know, getting my binge foods or they... Could see how much I was eating, or if they noticed how much food I took, you know, at a meal, I was just mortified in that, you know, under constant fear and tension. That makes for more. Tricky. That was me. I was under constant fear and tension. I was so miserable and I didn't know what to do with my fears and my anger and my feelings. It was very clear to me that I, I. I it was not safe to feel my feelings, and I absolutely needed my fat fortress, you know, my binge foods and my fat fortress to protect me. And thank God, thank God, thank God. Today, I, you know, that is not how my life is. Today, um, time, I please had, uh, thanks, just today, thank God, that's not how I live today, and I work the steps today. Thank you so much for your service today With that I pass. Thank
0: you, Cynthia. Okay, if you've just joined us, we're on page 73. The second paragraph, the inconsistency is made worse. If you haven't shared in the last few days, please give me your first name and the first initial of your last name. Nikki V. Nikki V.
10: Wendy M. Wendy M. Leah S.
11: (laughs) Can take a
6: few more?
12: Devorah S.,
6: Devorah S., anyone else? Okay, we'll
0: have Nikki B., Wendy M., Leah, what? Margot P., Margot P., Okay, we'll have Nikki V, Wendy M, Leah S, Deborah S, and Margot P. Go ahead, please, Nikki V. Everyone else, please mute.
10: Good morning, Katie. Uh, thank you. This is Vicki V, as in Vicky, from New York. I guess uh, when I say that, it always comes out as some other name, and that's been something that's happened to me my whole life, so it's, it's fine. I'm used to it. Uh, good morning. This is a wonderful paragraph. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his spree, sprees. Coming to his senses, he is revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. For me, my longest and strongest binges were due to excitement and feeling good. All the diets I've always been on uh, that restricted sugar in my life, um, when I got down a few pounds, enough to feel good about myself, to feel confident, because it was all about the way I looked, I would be so overly excited. I would make friends I didn't want. I would make plans I'd never keep. I would eat twice the sugar and junk food that I didn't eat while dieting, quote-unquote dieting. Then the morning after, which sometimes could take 7 to 10 days to get through, I would wake up and realize, oh, my God, I could never keep these plans I had made. I would lie so I didn't have to hang out with that binge buddy who really isn't a friend but just served a purpose. I would be in morbid reflection shame and doubt about who I was and where I was going and if I was ever going to be able to live free of sugar. That type of desperation that I felt after my last binge last year has to be something that I remember while working with others. Because for me, it is too easy to forget the lying, the cheating, the stealing, living as a fraud in a life that was killing me and hurting others around me. These memories are a nightmare for me sneaking food and so afraid that someone saw me and thought less of me or didn't believe the lie I was telling while I was living this life of this confident person who knew what she was doing, to this day, I can walk into the kitchen at work and they have that abundance of food for the holiday, and I'll feel a moment of shame. Thankfully, I won't feel like eating it, but I'll I'll remember that shame, and to me, that's a precious gift that I want to hold on to because I'm not responsible for my first thought, but I am responsible for my second thought, and God is in charge of that second thought, and it's always a lot more loving today. Thank you so much for letting me share, and have a lovely day.
0: Thank you, Vicki, and we will now have Wendy M followed by Leah F.
13: Good morning. I'm Wendy M, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, this The whole paragraph really strikes me, but, you know, tremble to think that somebody might have observed me. Um, The things that I would do when I was in the food and think I don't want anyone to know what kind of parent I am. I'm in a food coma from the time I get off work Friday until Sunday with a toddler playing by herself in the living room. And I don't want anyone to see that. I don't want anyone to observe me. I don't want anyone to know what I just did. And I take myself back to the food and I continue to eat and I continue to do those things, living in that food coma. And it was no way to live, it was absolute death. And, you know, the bills piling up on the dining room table, just not paying a single one, completely ignoring it. And, I don't want anyone to know that about me. I have to live this professional career life, drive a nice car, wear nice clothes. No one can know about all those bills sitting on my dining room table. And Instead, what I would do is I would eat over it. And I can just um, remember the fear of having to do the fifth step, Um, but it was such an amazing, amazing process and a beautiful process for me as well. I... um, had the privilege of saying my fifth step to a beautiful sponsor, and I was scared to death. I, um, She's been married for 50 years. I am single. I've been single. I've never been married, but I have a daughter. So my life is very different. And I can remember I would look up to see if she's going to look at me in judgment when I say something that I've done. And she never did that. She sat there with such love and such grace. And um, to be able to let go of all those things and um, live with the spirit now is um, so wonderful. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you,
0: Wendy. Leah S., you're up, followed by
11: Devorah S. Thank you very much, Katie. This is Leah S., recovered in Brooklyn. Very grateful today. The inconsistency. What is it? it's made worse, and they're not just saying that you have inconsistency, it's just saying it's made worse. Um, I'm so petrified, I'm so, um, I don't know where and 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 weird, uh, um, what to say or how to hide from myself. But the thing is, the inconsistency that means. What was missing in my life was that structure, that structure that I really needed. And it brings me back into step one. I was so powerless over everything that was going on. I had no idea. And you know what? It was the the double whammy all over again. And even now, I was thinking, oh, my God, it's okay. Maybe I just need something to to." you know to get rid of that fear but this is this is the step where it's getting me relieved and telling me don't worry about it it's going to be okay it's going to be okay you're going to have that structure you're going, you're going to get out of all these things that they are mentioning over here and all these um uh uh um uh Feelings of remorse and feelings of of oh my God, who's going to find out? Judgment and and all that, and um, it it's it really it really because because it and the paragraph ends that this is going to make for more drinking, and yes, if I don't give in to God and to his spirituality, that I'm protected and it's going to become better, then it's going to make me for more, more overeating and it's going to get me into the, the hopeless variety. And thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah. Okay, Deborah S., you're up,
6: followed
14: by Margot P., Hi, good morning, everyone, and thank you, Katie, and everyone on this line that makes this meeting possible. My name is Devora S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. <clears throat> and because inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees, and boy, well, I was very inconsistent. People never knew where I'd be, especially my family. You know, coming home, who was I going to be? You know, was I going to be that kind, loving person, or is I going to be, um, you know, uh, a woman without any, uh, without any uh, structure, without any, you know, uh, very, very uh, angry, remorse, uh, morose, sad, yelling, you know, what, 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 what was that going to be, and how often, you know, my children came home after a day of school, and there I was laying in bed with the blankets over my head, not wanting to deal with them, because I, I, I. Um, I binged all day, and uh, I had good intentions, you know, throughout the day, but it just, it didn't get done, um, you know, so, yeah, very inconsistent, this is the disease that brought me down, and, you know, and, you know, and being found out, right, being found out, I remember uh, a friend of mine called me up, it was early in the evening, 8 o'clock, and my husband said, I'm sorry, she's not available, she's sleeping. My husband's friend saw me the next day and said, wow, you're amazing. You're be in bed by 8 o'clock with your kids and everything. Like, that's amazing. How do you do that? How do you get all the housework done with the kids and blah, 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 and being in bed early? Boy, I really admire you. And I said to myself, she should only know. She should only know what I left in the sink and the kids and whatever. My husband had to deal with it. That was me. Um, And, you know, thank God, because of getting and putting down the food, and focusing on a program, dealing with working in a program that talks about you know, you know that, that 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 teaches me how to get out of myself and into other people. Um, that is that is what this is all about. And developing a, a relationship with a higher power, thinking the way, wanting to do God's will, thinking to see what is it that God really wants from me today. And you know. God really wants me from today is to be of service, to be with other people, to be patient, tolerant, kind, and loving. Um, And, you know, yeah, those sprees, I get these sprees sometimes in my head. My head is telling me things, but I'm able to make a phone call and talk about it and get out of it and and to see, you know, how dangerous that mind is, and I can't let that mind take me to places. Um, So, you know, working this program, living in the steps, living in 10, 11, and 12, this is that's the spree that I need to be on in this program, the spree of recovery, because it's so easy to get into that mode of, of, um, of who I was before, you know, just living for myself in this disease. And I'm um, really grateful to be part of this, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Deborah. Margot P., you're up, Then we'll open it up again.
15: Good morning, everyone. My name is Margot P. from Florida. I'm grateful to be on this call. On this fifth step, I did a lot of many fifth steps in another program. But doing with the uh, being in the vision, uh, like a couple of months already, and I did it with my sponsor. And it's amazing that when I get to do that, I say, oh, my God, can I trust her? What's going on with me with all my stuff that I have? Because it's like more stuff keeps coming up when I put the food down. But when I didn't put the food down I was crazy. I was like a lunatic walking around like a fog woman. And um, I want everything done my way. My way has to be right now and you know, and come to realize it doesn't work. And my sponsor keeps telling me things right. Is that reality, you know, the expectations that I have? And that's where I need to work on those areas of the expectation because I expected that a lot in my time when I was into the food. And I want people to read my mind, my mind is like, oh. and so today, I'm grateful that my sponsor told me to sit and quiet and meditate and get out on step 12 all the time, step 11 also. And stay focused because, you know, you're not the one. You're not special. You are a human being. You're doing the footwork. You're abstinent. You're working the steps. And being consistent is another thing. You know, consistent for me has to be on, on the nose, has to be perfect. Before I was not that perfect. I was sloppy with my food, you know. I was submitted, I would not submit it, it were days I would not submit it, there was weeks I would not submit it. And today is much different. I submitted with my sponsor and then the fear that comes in my future, I start my head start thinking about my future. You know, God's in control and I have to remember that God's in control. I am not God. And the fifth step keeps me reminding me that, that I have a sponsor, I have a program, I have people I can call where I'm struggling with. So thank you, everyone, to be on this call. And, you know, when everybody shares, I say, I'm not going to share because everybody told my story. So I thank you. And this I'll pass. Thank you, everyone.
0: Thank you, Margo. Okay, so we're on page 73, the second paragraph. The inconsistency is made worse, and we can take another four or five shares.
16: Kim A, Jen A, Kim, Kim
0: A, oh Kim A, Ma- Ramona A, Maureen H, Penny C, Maureen. Okay, wait a second. I'm Maureen A, Penny C. Okay, I missed someone in there. So um, Kim A, Maureen A, or Maureen something, Penny C, and there was another one. Ramona A, oh Ramona A, okay. Okay. Um, We have Kim A., Maureen A., Penny C., and Ramona A. Go ahead, please, Kim.
16: A lot of A's. Thank you so much. This is Kim A. And when I listen to this meeting, I'm always in my car on my way to work, so I never have the benefit of looking at the passage. So I'm going to just jump on the idea of inconsistency and fear of being found out. And The longer I'm in recovery, the more I realize, because I'm not binging anymore, um, I know that whenever I'm feeling, I don't know, a little bit, like, secretive or sneaky about my food, I know that I'm doing the wrong thing. But I see how much that also extends to my behavior, that, you know, the the 10th step is a wonderful thing. Because, you know, seeing my patterns and getting really honest about my selfishness in steps four and five. That's all about the past. But that can be really useful as I go forward in my recovery. And, you know, every day now, I am forced to look at my behavior throughout the day. And I see how often I catch myself in that selfishness of wanting to manipulate or sneak around so that I can get things the way that I want. Um, I had a situation at work the other day where I was feeling, I guess, a little bit of self-pity because I was supposed to be somewhere doing something that I really didn't have time to do because I had my own work and blah, blah, blah. And I'm a teacher. I stayed in my room and I did my own work and I was paranoid that one of my bosses was going to see me. My phone rang. I ignored it because I was like, oh, my God, I'm not even supposed to be in here. And partway through, I had to realize, like, This is just me and my selfishness trying to force things to go the way that I think they should. I have a higher power for this now, that my life now is about being helpful. So I went up to my boss. I went upstairs, and I was totally honest. And I had to say to her, you know, I really should have asked before I took it upon myself to not go where I was supposed to go and do what I was supposed to do. So, you know, that consistency is really important that I'm always on the same path for realizing that I'm here to help other people, especially in a profession like teaching. It's not about what I want. It's not about what's right for me. Um, And I have to be willing to just give that over all day, every day, steps 10, 11, and 12. Admit it to myself. Admit it to a higher power. Admit it to my sponsor. If possible, You know, rectify it and make amends, and then go out and be helpful. Um, thank you so much. You guys have no idea that I'm here every day since I don't really get the chance to share, but it really helps my, me start my day off right, hearing about the big book and hearing people who are recovered and how everybody works their program and how everybody does these steps every day. Thanks for letting me share, and thanks, everyone, for your service. Bye
0: Thank you, Kim. Okay, Maureen A., you're up, followed by Penny C., Hi. Good morning. This is Maureen H. from Recovered Compulsive Eater from South, no Recover from South Florida. Um, yeah. I I love this paragraph. I love what we've been we've been studying the last couple of days, and I feel like it's echoing um, what I've been really talking about lately around honesty. And oh my goodness, it just this paragraph brings me back to where I was about a year ago. Um, after coming off of a terrible binge. Um, it was, I, some people, it was a really, it was a Black Friday because it was a day of just shopping and food and just ridiculousness. Um, you know, I remember that next Monday standing in my living room, cursing the fact that my house was full of healthy food, wanting nothing more than just a binge and knowing also that If I started eating in volume, I started eating those healthy foods in volume, the moment I'd step out of my door to go to work, I'd hit a drive-through, I'd hit something, you know. Obviously, I was already in disease, and, and, you know, I had already taken that first compulsive bite. But that inconsistency between the secret I was trying to keep and the, um, you know, the behaviors and what I was doing with the food that I was trying to figure out on my own, instead of admitting I need help and admitting that um, my disease was like, you know, back in full swing, um, it was torture. And I remember just getting on this line and cursing the air and saying, I can't believe I'm doing what I'm doing and I need help. And that little door that opened to honesty set off a chain of reactions that brought me to this place of recovered where I am today you know between you know getting accountability around my food you know working with someone who could really help me see my powerlessness you know getting to that place of you know pure undebated honesty around my abstinence and then of course working the steps like my hair's on fire and I, I oh my god I can't I can't believe and I'm so grateful I don't have to live in that inconsistency because that like me for years in program
16: where I would
0: talk a big game, you know, I could quote a big book, I, I could give you advice, but I was not walking the walk. And it would drive me nuts internally. It was a suffering that I didn't realize weighed so heavily on me until I was able to let it go. And just reading this paragraph today and sharing, especially hearing the shares this morning, I'm so grateful for this program, for this book, and for the, the honesty that I get to have around my program now. So thank you so much, everybody, and I'll pass. Thank you, Maureen. Penny C, you're up, followed by Ramona A.
12: Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everybody on the line. This is Penny C. I'm a recovered, compulsive overeater from the Boston area. I'm going back to the last sentence of the previous paragraph where it says, we wanted to enjoy a certain reputation, but we knew we didn't deserve it. And then to come to this paragraph and see about the inconsistencies when we were we were on a spree, when we were binging. And, you know, I'm reminded again about how I I put the lives of my three three of my four children in jeopardy and in the lives of a lot of other children who were just getting out of their their cars to go into a a basketball um, youth basketball practice when I was on a spree I had been eating consist you know continuously. And just one of my daughters, eight years old, said something that set me off. And I got out of the car to go after her, didn't put the car in gear, started rolling back with all these children getting out of the cars. And I noticed it enough that I could, or two of my littler ones in the back seat. And I noticed it just in time to be able to uh, stop the car and um, and suffered a big, big ulcer on my leg for months afterwards, you know, I didn't want anyone to see that. I didn't want anyone to know about it. And nobody else would ever be able to tell about it but, but I. But I kept that concealed until I got to my 12-step programs, my OA, and did that that fourth step and fifth step and was able to tell people about it. Um, that's the beauty of this this program that, you know, I, I I was on a spree then and I ate over what I did. And it just shows me that God had my back. My higher power was watching over me even when I didn't know that term. I didn't realize that I had this, this, this wonderful um, God keeping me from what could have been a horrible, horrible tragedy. And so... You know, I today I I'm not that same person and with the help of my higher power I am a different person and you know I enjoy the reputation that I have and and I don't question it. I don't I I know because I know that it's not because of my anything I did but because I have a higher power. I have a program that that shows me how to live And I have all of you supporting me as well. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Penny. Okay, Ramona A., you're
17: up. Hi, this is Ramona A. from Vermont, recovered. And I'm sitting here listening to everything and probably could say ditto to everything, but also feeling anxious because I can remember so well the the inconsistencies in my life, you know, the trying to be one person professionally and out there to the world or family or anything and another one knowing I was another one to myself. And when it comes to food, that I could tell people, oh, I'm on a diet. Oh, I don't eat sugar anymore. I, You know, don't serve me anything like that. And the next thing these people would see me, I gained 10, 20, 30 pounds or it depends how long between the times they'd see me or not. And I remember one time eating uh, popcorn and all the people had gone who were the guests watching a movie with me or whatever, and there I was with this bowl of popcorn and I was eating it so fast, it frightened me completely, you know, and I could not stop. And uh, that still terrifies me when I think of it. I haven't had another piece of popcorn since then. And there were other things, too. There were so many ways that I embarrassed myself. And I felt shame. I'm the only one in my family with this illness. And so I felt shame from the time before, long before I knew what the word meant. But I just knew there was something wrong with me as a person, not. Some kind of an illness, so if I come back to to the time of recovery it's been it's taken time it has taken time for me to develop the the relationship with a higher power that's not a relationship of fear of but of trust. It's taken time for me to rebuild confidence and trust with my family, and my friends so that they say, oh yes, you know, she she says she's not eating sugar, she's not eating sugar. It's been years, you know, since I did. And uh they're all very, very considerate of me with meals or with family events or whatever. And that's the program. That's the people, you know, that's all that I've learned um over time with this. And about foods. Food the fact that it is a disease, the fact that there are foods that I cannot eat and that's okay, you know. And so the the self-esteem, the, the ability to be consistent now is what gives self-esteem. I feel good about myself because I can be consistent and I can be consistent uh, contentedly, you know, happily, as we say. And that's... That's the difference this program has made in my life. So um, I'll let it go with that. And thank you very much. I pass. Okay. Thank you, Ramona.
0: And thank you to everyone who shared and everyone who helped to make this meeting possible. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, December 4th, 2019, 7 a.m. meeting is... 13,751, that's 13751. We will now close with the readings from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Cynthia C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
9: Uh, this is Cynthia C., Recovered Compulsive Over-Eater and Food Addict in Newton, Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us.